G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 10 of This Week in Startups Australia. In Series 10, Twista has a singular focus. We're identifying and sharing the story of Australia's world-changing startups. The startups that when they go from zero to one really do change the world. And not just the startups, but the founders, the investors, the ecosystem. Australia is stepping up with some of our brightest sparks working hard to change the world. But world-changing startups don't happen in a vacuum. It takes a village. On this episode, we'll do a deep dive into Australia's biggest effort thus far to create the conditions for world-changing startups to blossom, Tech Central. We're in conversation with Annie Parker, the Executive Director of Tech Central, on This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Our Crowd. Our Crowd finds companies with the greatest growth potential and brings them to you. They believe in their deals and invest in them too. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at ourcrowd.com slash Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by User Testing. With user testing, you'll understand it from your customer's perspective. Get real-time feedback real fast. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. Visit usertesting.com slash Twista for a free trial. User testing, real human insight. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Zendesk. Zendesk helps startups build lasting customer experiences from the ground up with the Zendesk for Startups program. Learn more at zendesk.com slash Twista. Former Managing Director of Moru D. Former Managing Director of Fishburners. Former Managing Director of Microsoft for Startups. This can only be one person. Twista gets to welcome back Annie Parker. Annie is now the Executive Director of Tech Central. Welcome back to Twista, Annie. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be back. All right. What is Tech Central? Why is it happening? Okay, so Tech Central, if you look at the southern half of the Sydney CBD from, say, Central Station and Haymarket and Surrey Hills down towards Redfern, North Everly and down towards Camperdown, basically that's about six kilometers square of incredible innovation space that we already have. So you've got UTS, University of Sydney, the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, um, hundreds of research agencies, Data61, Cicada, all of the main VCs um, that operate across Australia. Basically, it's a way of us pulling or putting a lovely warm blanket around all of that great space to say, wouldn't it be great if we did a lot more together? And when we do more together, then yeah, perhaps we're going to get to the better outcomes faster. But equally, as we're starting to do that work together, there are areas of the city that we still need to you know, kind of do a bit more renovation of and look at how we're going to um, turn it into its next iteration. So some great um, places around Central Station that are getting redeveloped right now. 
in about a year's time, the same will happen around North Everly and Redfern. And then there's another site over towards the Camperdown space where basically we've got hundreds of thousands of square meters of space that we can turn into its next iteration. So if you look at what we have right now and then add what we're going to get in the next year or two, think of what the possibility could be in terms of an innovation district that is genuinely working together and working towards the same outcome, which is this. I want for Tech Central to become the world's most inclusive, sustainable and welcoming innovation district on the planet. Imagine if we were able to make that work within that six kilometer squared space with all of the amazing entities that we already have and whoever else we're going to bring in. It's just, it's a, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's a, it's here right now, but it's also imagine the possibilities of what it could be in the next two to three years. As you point out, there's a lot of stuff that's already there, the universities, the research centers, all of that. Are there, are, are there new things that are being added to that, new facilities, new services? Absolutely. So there's a couple of recent examples in the quantum terminal that we opened at the back end of last year, just above um, Central Station itself. First of July, uh, so just a few weeks ago, the scale-up hub that Stone and Chalk are now operating for us at 477 Pitt Street, Pitt Street is open. Um, there are a ton of companies that have already moved in. It's beautiful. I had a couple more tours around it actually earlier today. I am going to work out of there myself. It's that gorgeous. Um, very soon after that, Atlassian's HQ will be built outside of um, Central Station. And then, as I mentioned, the rezoning of some of the kind of vacant or, or barren land that sits down in that sort of Redfern North Everly space. So if you know where Carriage Works is and you were to sort of Carriage Works behind you and look back towards the city, there's an old paint shop and then a vast open space of nothing. We want to redesign that space to become another part of the Tech Central map. So think of it as a you know, minimum five-year plan to turn all of that and make it all come to, um, come to reality. Okay, why is this happening now? Do you know what? It's an interesting question, Mark, because I actually remember going in to the then Premier's office at the time, which is Gladys Berejiklian, with Scott Farquhar, Dean McAvoy, um, a couple of other folks from Atlassian, David Fody, and basically we were lobbying for government to rezone all of this vacant land or disused land so that we could turn it into something new. That was six years ago. <laughs> so this happened quickly. This is, but this is just how long it takes. And your goodness me, look at where we are now six years later in terms of what we now have and what we've managed to pull together. And the other thing that's been beautiful is just how incredibly engaged all of the existing folks from the community are. So whether it's yeah, the, the um, Cicadas, the universities, the RPA, Sydney City Council, of course, um, Inner West Council, you know, all of these existing players... Oftentimes, I, I suspect quite a lot of people would think that that's just going to be a, a bit of a kind of angry bun fight, but it's not. Everybody is genuinely pushing in the same direction. Everybody cares about wanting to get to that same outcome, which is to put Sydney back on that international map in terms of a global 
destination for startups and innovation. All right. You say, you know, you, you took a look at the map and said, okay, the lower half of the city. And right now, particularly because of where the hub is located at the, the top of York Street, you know, there is a strip that goes down from there. There's a bunch of other startups or companies that have grown beyond startups. And there was sort of the, what I used to call the York Street corridor with all of these firms on it that gave the startup community a bit of a weight at the big end of town. Is this the pendulum swinging back now to the the grittier, the more uni-driven end of town? Is that what's happening here? I'd say it's a little bit of both. So Wynyard will continue on. So Startup Hub over on York Street, um, I consider that to be where, where founders kind of start. Literally, I've got an idea. I, I need to find my fellow kind of folks who think in the same way and perhaps might want to join me in my mission to try and build this out as an idea. Everything down from sort of central further south is typically more, we know who we are, we're scaling, we're ready to grow. So I see both of them right now having a very different use case or audience that they're serving. In five years' time, might that change, perhaps? And, you know, that would be a good time because that's when the lease is up on that building. (laughs) We're talking to Annie Parker about Tech Central, and we will be right back. As rising interest rates, inflation, and global complexity throw stock markets into turmoil, savvy investors are turning to alternative investments. Our crowd makes it easy for you to diversify your investments into a variety of expertly vetted, high-growth private companies across stages, geography, and industries like biotech, cybersecurity, and renewable energy. Investments like these used to be reserved for elite institutional investors. But our crowd has helped sophisticated investors from over 90 countries invest in growing tech companies. Every month, our crowd vets hundreds of companies across the globe, then brings you a select few identified for their outsized growth potential. Our crowd backs these investments. They commit their own capital, and they leverage their relationships with multinational corporations and global investment leaders to help drive their portfolio companies' growth. Discover investment options beyond the stock market. Join the fastest-growing venture capital investment community in the world at OurCrowd.com slash Australia. That's OurCrowd.com slash Australia. Individual results may vary. There's no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. Invest wisely. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We're learning all about Tech Central, Sydney's Tech Central, with Executive Director Annie Parker. So, Annie, what you're proposing is bold, it's large, it's grand. Has Is this a first, or have we seen things like this other places in the world? There are lots of examples of other innovation districts. They're all a little bit different. Um, so Station F in Paris is a really beautiful example where they took an old derelict 
train station. I think it's around about 50,000 square meters of space and literally turned it into the most beautiful startup and kind of co-work. Well, it's not more co-work. It's more like um, incubators and accelerators plus Microsoft and IBM and everybody else who might want to be able to help them and the VC industry. And then the final part of the building is actually public space. It's restaurants, it's cafes. So it draws people in from the local community. It's been going for five years um, and they've been full pretty much since they started. And what's been interesting is that the next thing that started to happen outside of their building is building affordable accommodation, (laughs) uh, restaurants, cafes. You see where I'm going. Then there's other examples like um, Mars in Toronto or the At22 program in Barcelona, Loads and loads of different districts who have designed a solution for their city. And here's why you kind of need to take those examples and then interpret it for what it might mean for Sydney and what are our unfair advantages. What are the things that we know we could sort of double down on in terms of those unfair advantages? And I think there's probably two or three things that I'd love to flag in that space. From a technical perspective, we are globally in the top five for quantum technology, quantum research PhDs. We're very first coming into the global top five for biotech. So those are two obvious industries that I think Tech Central will become famous for. So there's the technical kind of aspect. The other aspect is, though, that there is nowhere on the planet that can draw a six-kilometer circle and include two really high quality globally leading universities, a teaching and research hospital, a hundred research agencies, billions of dollars worth of VC funding and kind of go, yeah, you can walk from one to the other. (laughs) I mean, we are so lucky that that is so compact and so neat and easy to navigate. And then the third thing, and this is something that's been baffling me for years I don't understand why Australia doesn't use its other unfair advantage much more, which is First Nations. Mm. 65,000 years plus worth of knowledge of the only continuing culture on the planet. Absolutely First Nations and Indigenous thinking will be part of Tech Central in everything we do. The DNA of who we are, the values we hold, the way that we interact with community, the way that we build everything. I want for First Nations and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people of Australia to note and to know that they are absolutely welcome at Tech Central. And I think that genuinely becomes a global advantage. And I mean, when you're encompassing Redfern, which has a large Indigenous community, right? This is the thing is that you actually... You have to front burner that or else, in fact, you're building something that's going to exclude precisely the people who are being encompassed by it. And we spent some time down at the um, Indigenous Chamber of Commerce, which is just uh, across the road there in Redfern. And we spent some time on a yarning circle. And there's this one auntie, Auntie Margaret, I will never forget her. She was talking about what does sustainability really mean? And it's sort of a bit of a buzzword. It can be a bit flexible. And she's kind of right. And I sort of sat there thinking, hmm, she's got a point. What do we really mean by sustainability? And I said, well, you know, it's caring for the land that we're on and making sure that we leave things better than we found them. And she kind of looked at me and said, yeah, 
that's okay. But here's what I mean. I mean caring for country. I mean the soil, what lives in the soil, what grows out of the soil, what depends upon that plant or that tree for its sustenance, the air, the the ambience around it, the people that live on that land. And I just realized how little we have thought about what sustainability really means and how little Western thinking really works. And if we think about it at a really basic level, you know, White people have been here in Australia for over two, just over 200 years, and we've managed to, you know, kind of bugger it up. 65,000 years worth of knowledge. I'm pretty confident that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have the answers for the problems that we have, particularly when it comes to managing land and managing, you know, the ecosystem of, of the earth around us. Let's kind of ask them how to fix it because we clearly don't have the answers. And when you're talking about, I think, the way that technology intersects with that, right? Then you actually are looking at what the implications of a technology are before it gets deployed at scale, which is, and to, to touch on, although they're not a first culture, they're they're known for their wisdom in technology is the Amish, because the Amish are not technology averse. <laughs> they're, they're technology thoughtful, right? That they will tend to go, okay, yes, you can have a mobile phone. It's going to sit in a box out at the end of the driveway. So you can make a call whenever you need it, but you're going to need to do it, right? That it it provides that sense of distance here and that it's that way of being able to frame these things in their right way. If that can be a part of what Tech Central is, then you're right. That becomes an incredibly unfair advantage because you probably won't get that in Paris. You probably won't get that in Toronto. And and here's another example. We had um, a group of Indigenous leaders over from North America recently, and it was a fascinating conversation of similar sorts of stories. And one that I'll share with you, um, one of the folks... I believe their land is in Idaho or somewhere in like kind of the middle bit where there's a lot of farming and John Deere are working with their community to, to sort of say, Hey, we given that they own a ton of farming land testing with them in more traditional ways made sense. And they'd got this new piece of machinery and they were like, yeah, we'd love to bring it in and test it on your land. And they said, can we just ask, does it, does it actually take carbon out of the ground, this tilling machine? And they said, well, yes, it does because of the way it works. So yeah, we, we don't do that. That's our culture. We, we precisely need for carbon to stay in this soil mm-hmm. because we know that it's better for yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And John Deere went away and figured out how to change that piece of machinery. And they came back and said, we fixed it to the scenario that you've mentioned. Now, guess what? It works for them on their land, keeping carbon in the soil. But now we all get to benefit from that because we need to keep carbon in places where it's not in the air. Where, where it's and naturally it, stored, yes. Yeah, and and that, that for me is just a really classic example of the solutions or the forcing function, I believe, of, of changing our way of thinking. So it's systems thinking, right? White systems thinking has got us to where we are and it's clearly not working for us. So we need to change whether that's indigenous thinking, Eastern thinking, you know, we, we need to be open-minded about how we change the way that we approach solving problems. So then how does that become embedded in tech central? So uh, another great example, we, um, 
we worked with UTS a couple of weeks ago with some of their first year students. Um, you might know this, Mark, they run a transdisciplinary program where they bring a group of different folks from different departments together and faculties and they throw a problem at them and say, hey, this is about tra- training your brain to think differently or laterally or opening up your mind to, to, to you know, sort of consider how you might solve a problem in a different way. And we threw the problem at them of how do we create a more digitally enabled tech central district and just left it that open. And it was fascinating to see what came back. So from an indigenous lens, they were going, well, why wouldn't there be um, a version of Spice Alley, but for indigenous communities somewhere in Tech Centre? Like, that is a really good idea. We should definitely build something like that. Um, Why could we design a piece of kind of um, interactive artwork that sits perhaps near near or in Redfern, but then radiates out across Tech Central. I'm literally open to any ideas of how we do this on a physical level, how we do this at a, at a sort of access, i.e. creating opportunities for business, how we create opportunities to upskill and to reskill, how we bring community in with us and just say, we know we need to learn from you. And I think if I've learned anything from the conversations that we've had with the Indigenous community so far, it's that we need to sit down with them. We need to have a yarn. We need to ask great questions, but then listen. And that that time period may not fit with whatever deadline we have for next Thursday at three o'clock, but hey, you're you're still going to learn something super important. So I think it's a... It is a genuine kind of walking together kind of journey and the openness of recognizing that when we learn things that we will change them. And when we recognize that there's a moment to do something differently, that we do it. And I think it's just holding ourselves accountable to that. So I wonder if we will see the roots of what I'm going to call a slow tech movement after the slow food movement and the slow land movement that come out of Tech Central. You're listening to This Week in Startup Australia. We will be right back. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Whether you're launching a new product, prototype, or marketing campaign, you'll get video feedback straight from the people you want to reach most. The user testing human insight platform lets you understand it all from their perspective. And it allows you to target your exact audience, ask any question or request to perform tasks, and most valuably, get a window into their world. Unlike focus groups, which can take weeks or even months to deliver results, With user testing, you get to see real reactions and hear real opinions really fast, in real time, at the speed business demands. Very quickly, you get insights into what's working and what's not. So you can adjust your message, refine your UI, and understand exactly how people are responding to and interacting with your product, service, or brand. The result? You feel what your customer feels, so you can build the best experience imaginable. For a free trial, visit usertesting.com slash twista. User testing real human insight.
Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We're exploring the possibilities of the new tech central development with Executive Director Annie Parker. Annie, if you want to look forward, because you've mentioned five years, I actually want to take us out to 2030, so to the end of the decade, sort of eight years from now. What has tech central become? What are you, what is your intention here? So... As we said earlier in, in the chat, you know, it's a six kilometer square kind of radius of, of entities. I would love for that six kilometer square to be very easily navigable, that you can absolutely tell, you know, this space is perhaps more focused around biotech and this space is perhaps more focused around SaaS or creative tech, and that it's really easy, If you, even if I'm literally just a first day kind of landed off the boat slash plane kind of going, oh, I don't know, I've, I'm coming to Sydney, I know that there's a really cool innovation sector here, and that you could literally navigate around and know that from the moment that you set foot in the district. I want for everybody as they're walking through it, whether they're working there, residents there, tourists there to feel like that they could walk into any one of the the buildings or the the sectors and go I feel welcome I feel like I'm going to learn something here I feel like I'd want to bring my kids here so that they can learn it too and that it, it needs to be one of those spaces where it's super inviting and that people just want to be now we talked earlier as well around you know, the importance I, I, I'm placing around um, inclusion and sustainability. And we all know those buzzwords in terms of, you know, we believe that it's the right thing to do. By 2030, it should be absolutely economically proven and morally proven and all of the other provens to say there is no other business case for a startup or a technical company or a scaling company other than to be diverse. We know it from a gender perspective, but we don't have a huge amount of data from the rest of the other traditionally underserved groups. And I would love for that to just be normalized. And I, I wonder, and this, I guess, feeds into what one of my own hopes I, for Tech Central is because we know we've identified that we're going to need 300,000 more people who are concentrated in tech over the next decade to be able to fill all of the roles that we know that we're going to need, some of which will be in Tech Central. And if we don't have an area that is inviting and in open, then we don't generate the engine that's drawing people in helping them because really what you're describing to my ear sounds like this is a place people are drawn to because they're being mentored here. They're being fed here deeply and they're also being able to offer what they know. I mean, this to me is the big thing about the hub as it is, is that I can go into, you know, stone and chalk and mentor a company or go downstairs and have a meeting with someone who is a founder who has questions, right? It's that sort of thing. Is that going to be the sure sign for success? What is, I think, for your marker of success here? Look, there's there's probably you know sort of a few layers of, of metrics that I look at on this one. There'll be you know, some of the you know, sort of um, easier to to measure success moments, like how many more tech companies do we help create? How many you know, other tech companies get attracted to wanting to build their 
Asia Pack HQ or, or um, relocate or they've got a great idea and they're just going to start here anyway, even if they might be from Singapore or wherever. So there's that sort of draw card piece of, you know, Tech Central needs to become a, a destination of choice. But I still go back to the why. Why are they going to choose Tech Central? They're not going to choose it because we've said multiple times that we want to build a really cool innovation hub. That's not enough. You know, that's not going to get somebody on the edge of their seat. But if we can show them through actions and outcomes over the next two or three years, which the team and my team are doing around bringing in First Nations, making sure that we're doing everything inclusively, making sure that we're building in sustainability from day one. I believe that is a genuine kind of lighthouse moment of if you care about these things too, this is where you need to be. And and I think that's a really awesome draw card. And it's a great way also of attracting the people that we really want to be in Tech Central along with us because they share the same values. So there's a there's that short-term piece. But then I think it, it sort of goes in, if I looked into 2030, we're into your know, next horizon technology land, right? So we're probably at the point where quantum is a little bit more embedded in use cases of everyday business and that people don't believe it's some sort of fairy tale that might come soon. Um, Mind you, I remember, you know, virtual reality technology has been on that path for a little while. So, you know, we may have some time yet on that journey. But I believe in, you know, another six or seven years, we'll be in a lot more kind of specific use cases of where that technology can make a genuine difference to to businesses and to communities. And they'll be the next one, whatever the next thing might be. And, and you know, Tech Central should always be that place where there's a space to do that. Um, the final thing I do want to keep reminding everybody, and this is something that from a tourism perspective, we're very good at selling Sydney. That Those same reasons how we sell Sydney are reasons to attract talent to come here in the first place too. It's a beautiful place to live, incredible culture, lots and lots of different you know, sort of parts of community, whether it be Asian diaspora, LGBTIQ+, it's a huge melting pot of different cultures. And hey, by 2030, we'll have had seven years of South by Southwest Sydney, which will be an incredible draw card for getting more folks to come here. I mean, geez, what a gift. What an absolute gift to have a globally recognized brand that have recognized Sydney as being a creative cultural, wonderful melting pot. Let's get better at selling ourselves. I think you know it's been recognized by other parts of the uh, international kind of sector, but I think we're doing we're doing it well, but we're not telling everybody about it. We, we've got so much wonderful technology and great successful businesses and researchers and PhDs and universities and all the other different things. I think if we did a bit more of that really great selling, it helps us get to that vision of 2030 of inclusion, welcomeness, beautifully kind of connected digital community. And we also have, because I hear this from other people and I know it because we embody it, our tech community is very open and sharing. It is not closed down. It is not an us versus them or me versus you environment, right? It, it's not hyper-competitive in that sense. I mean, it's competitive in the sense that it works hard, 
but it's not, doesn't think in terms of zero sums. And when people come from overseas, they're struck by it. And it feels like that is another one of the values that you've outlined. Annie, we are going to check in on your progress. Thank you very much for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. It's great pleasure. Lovely, lovely chatting with you. The fastest growing companies have great products and great customer service. You build the great product and Zendesk will help you build great customer experiences that make your customers come back, just like Jason Calacanis. Jason has a very public obsession with amazing customer service and relies on Zendesk for his launch syndicate. Jason's limited partners use Zendesk to reach out to him about each of his deals. And Zendesk also handles inbound inquiries from startups looking for investors. Zendesk helps Jason provide the kind of customer service he demands. Apply for the Zendesk for Startups program to get their industry-leading customer service software free for six months. You'll also get access to Zendesk's community of startup founders and partners, plus dedicated onboarding guidance and support. Zendesk has everything you need to deliver the amazing customer experiences that will make your product a success. To learn more about Zendesk for Startups, visit Zendesk.com slash Twista. Big thanks to Twista's sponsors, Our Crowd, User Testing, and Zendesk. Thanks to Annie Parker for taking the time to come onto our show. This show was written and produced by Mark Pesci and beautifully mixed by Luke Station. Come visit our website at thisweekinstartups.au. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, and all the links to all the stories. So check it out at thisweekinstartups.au. Next time, we'll profile another of our world-changing startups. Who will it be this time? Well, I'm not telling you, but I will tell you that you'll be very surprised. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening.